Welcome back to the Life Coach BFF show. I'm BFF Heather, and today we are joining Rachel Pickle, a real-life middle school teacher, and we are getting to the bottom of what your teacher really wants from your student. In fact, Rachel helps break down what we all truly crave from each other. We will dive right in following a word from our friend, Carrie. And by the way, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. We're going to have a great time. Hi, BFFs. This is Carrie Evans with Broken Glass by KJ. On behalf of all female small business owners, we want to thank you for all of your support. Your encouraging words mean the world to all of us. I would love to connect with you, so come follow along at Broken Glass by KJ on Instagram and see all of my latest creations. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. Rachel, how are you? Great. Are you ready to talk all things middle school? (laughs) As as much as I can, yeah. (laughs) So your kids, oh, I know what grades they're, but you want to tell everybody what grades your your own children are in right now? Uh, My son's about to go into fourth grade and my daughter is about to go into fifth grade. Okay, and so in about two weeks, school starts in about two weeks, you will have how many total children? Um, I go from two children to about 120 children. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's enough to make me break out into a sweat just thinking about that. Um, I wear strong deodorant, so (laughs) (laughs) I got that one covered. And they're all... the. The two that are your own, obviously, they're not in middle middle school, but the rest, these are middle schoolers. Like, this is supposed to be the most stressful time period in your life. And do you feel like when you were in middle school, if you'll think that, have you thought about that since we talked about you coming on? Have you thought about your middle school years? Every day I walk into the classroom, um, I think about what it was like when I was these they're still babies they're just big babies they're big babies ages you know I I think about that um it is you know it's funny when when you meet someone new and you tell them you're you're a seventh grade teacher the first things out of their mouth is bless your heart I hated middle school it was the worst time of my life (laughs) yeah and and I always respond I said yeah you know what but but they need a lot of good loving right now yeah, they like, really do. That's, that's the best answer I can give. Yeah, I agree with you. They need a lot of love. And I mean, when you're the parent, sometimes it's not easy to give that love all the, I mean, you always love your children, but the middle schoolers, they can be tough. Uh, we're, we're already entering that, that big pool with my daughter, who is the fifth grader, and she's 11 going on you know, 16 or 18. And it's, oh, I just think about what I put my mom through. (laughs) You know what? I I apologize to my mother on a regular basis. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I apologize to her on a regular basis because I mean, I was tough at that age. I mean, I, I was, I just hate to say it, but you know, that my mother really could not do much of anything right. (laughs) I mean, anything that she said, she should have said differently. Were right. you that way? What, whatever she wore, it was not a good choice as far as I was concerned. 
You know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was probably harder. I think, I think because I was always really involved in things, I didn't have as much time to meddle in that, but I know I was mean to her. Um, or we also, you know, in my house, my, my mom and dad worked when I was in middle school. So, um, in between my athletics and student council and um, babysitting, you know, I would also have to do housework and right. dinner and get up on the weekends. If I didn't have practice or games or meets, I would be mowing or shoveling snow. I mean, I was always busy. Right. So that helped deter a lot of um, the issues that some people might get into, but um, oh yeah, it, it was still bad. Socially, it was just hard I think yes yeah that was the harder part that was okay I'll net I'm gonna I want you to think about like the worst thing that anyone said to you in middle school and I'm gonna tell you what the worst thing anyone said to me was that I still I mean I can still remember this so you can think about this while I tell you this I still remember the guy's face and he asked me (laughs) you're gonna laugh when I tell you this he asked I guess I was in the sixth grade so I would have been 11. He said, are you Italian? And I said, no, I don't think so. And he goes, well, I was just wondering because you have a really big nose. And so what had, <laughs> what had happened? And he didn't know this. But prior, I guess, Gosh. maybe when I was in the fourth grade, I fell on the balance, doing a, a back handspring on a balance beam. And I fell on my face. I was a gymnast and broke my nose. And so at the time they were like, we're not going to do anything about this, but later it caused a lot of problems with, um, with sinuses. So I was forced to do something then, but that's what he said to me And that. And I did not know. I mean, I should have known. I looked in the mirror every day, but I did not realize that my nose was so much larger than my face until he was so kind to point this out to me. And then I thought about it all the time. So what about you? Oh gosh. I mean, that's when uh, I had to start wearing glasses and, you know, I had uh, one of my girlfriends, um, you know, called me four eyes and, you know, it's that age, you've got so much going on, so much psychological development. It's um, naturally the transition for you to develop these social pathways and, and try to figure out who you are, what group you belong in, what your beliefs are. And so um, you've got that, all, all of that going on inside. And then all these other external issues. Yeah. I, the, the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. So um, I was an early bloomer in my grade. And um, so in, let's see. It was, it was in between sixth and seventh grade. So in seventh grade, some boys broke into my locker and took my maxi pads and stuck them all to the inside of my locker and one to the outside of my locker. One that wasted all of my products. (laughs) And two, I was mortified because I was like, oh my gosh, now everybody knows what's going on with me. And, um, you know, the boys got in trouble, but I was mortified because it's so very personal, especially when you're one of the first girls to go through the transition. Right. And, um, you know, I just, that is just huh. burned into my mind about how 
harsh kids can be. <laughs> yes. And see that I'm, I'm thinking back, that's the time period when those of us who were starting our cycle, we were hiding the products in the bottom of our bags and the guys, remember the boys sometimes would get you, the big thing was for them to get your purse and go through your purse. Do you remember that? Well, I never carried a purse. I hid, I hid all of this stuff in a, well, I guess it could have been, you know, it's kind of like a pencil pouch. Yes. Yeah. I hit, it was, yeah, I hid in my locker and in my, my school is small. So we had the very tall locker. So they had to have dug through a lot of different items. And I'm just like, that is not a practical joke that anybody would appreciate, you know? No. No, no, it's not. And that too, I mean, I, now it's really coming back to me. That is the time period when you're so concerned about your appearance for the first time. Mm. I remember getting up at six o'clock every morning. You're going to go, who are you? When I tell you this, but I would get up and wash my hair and hot roll it before school. And then, <laughs> I mean, is that not hard, hardcore? And then on top of that, I got a butane curling iron for Christmas that year. And so yep. at lunch, I would go in the bathroom and recurl my bangs. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh my goodness. That's so funny. What in the <laughs> world? Well, let me tell you something. Back in those days when the rat tails were really big. Uh-huh. Um, I was on the tail end of that, but I still did it. Like these, these days, these girls, they just come, they slept in their hair, you know, throw it back in a pudding. I'm like, you're so lucky that you didn't have to have all this big curly, you know, eighties and nineties hair. So. I call it the Bon Jovi hair. Right. Right. I, tr I tried the similar thing. <laughs> John Bon Jovi hair. Yes. I was like, if I can get my hair to look exactly like his, I will be so happy. <laughs> life goals <laughs> so do you feel like the girls now that age are not as interested in hair and makeup as we were then it's interesting um hair is different you can you can tell the girls who are interested in hair um and you know sometimes you you notice that oh hey they straighten it and I'm always tr trying to be complimentary especially of the girls they just they just need it so while it's probably hard to fit in 60 different compliments a day, if they do switch something up, I take notice and let them know that, that it looks good or that, that I, that I see them, you know, right. um, I don't think they're as much, all of them are as much into appearance as you might assume, but then, um, because, you know, our, our children, we teach at a, a school where kids wear uniforms. Um, they, they don't fuss about that as much. I don't think at least not what I see in the classroom, you know, right. um, or in the, in the halls. Um, some of them are into makeup. Some of them are definitely into nails and they, they, they have that disposable allowance where they can go get a different nail job every week. And so um, I think those are the more artistic ones who like to do that kind of thing. But um, at least the girls that I'm around, I don't think it's as big, at least in the classroom, or maybe it's the thing to downplay it at this age. Okay. Yeah. So. 
that makes sense. But yeah. the guys, they, they really don't care at, at this age. Do you think, do you see them getting um, more involved? You know, not, not as much unless um, they're competitive with another guy or they don't like another guy. Oh. So then they start, you know, you know, burning each other, essentially picking on each other mm-hmm. and bringing out each other's physical flaws. So, you know, they joke about each other's athleticism or um, if this is so funny, um, if one boy who tends to get a lot of the girl's attention, other guys try to, to pick on him, you know, to tear him down, you know, talk about hairy legs or something where it's like, well, it's kind of what they're supposed to have. <laughs> and then, and then other guys point out like, dude, you're supposed to have hair in your legs. You're not a chick. And then, so that ends up being an epic fail. So, I mean, I noticed some of that, um, uh-huh. but you know, this, uh, this past year with the, with the masks and the distancing, a lot of that was dialed back just because there was so much barrier and we were keeping them in their little boxes. Right. Right. I wonder what effect that had, what other effects that had on them socially at this age, because this is the the kind of coming of age socially as well. Yeah. So did you notice anything that really stood out? Do you feel like that they seem to be more isolated and lonelier? Did you see that at all? Or do you think they were just so happy to be back at school and see faces, eyes, not the whole face, but. Right. They were very glad to be back in school. Um, I think some of their normal, I I, I mean, I know they were with each other outside of school Um, and, you know, different from from our childhood, we didn't have a device where we could connect like this. We had one telephone or maybe two telephone lines in the house and that's how you communicated. Or um, if a boy liked you, like I got, you know, cologne scented letters sent to my house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, whereas, you know, these people sent these, these kids send each other Snapchats or text messages or whatever. Right. So, I mean, they, they were able to communicate with each other. Um, but I still feel like they, from a school point of view, they didn't get the opportunities that they need to, to do, to get that psychosocial and emotional development that they need to get that connection. I mean, we're humans. That's what we're designed to do is, right. is to connect. And, um, and I really feel like we missed out on that. Luckily our school, we were in person as much as possible. And, um, the, uh, you know, the mask cut into that. I know that really weighed on some teachers. Um, you know, I just, I just push forward to try to relate to the students as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So how, tell me how you handle situations to where when, because this, you know, the hormones are kicking in, the testosterone is kicking in, and they, they clearly don't know how to handle it at this age. I mean, there are times I'm about to turn 50 that I don't know how to handle the hormones. Right. So right. when you see a situation like that, how do you as a teacher respond? How do you, how do you handle, I mean, cause you've got a hundred plus children. They all have hormones. They all are going wacky. And right. 
So how, how do you handle that? I'm just curious. Um, well, th- there's a, a few different ways that I try to handle it. First and foremost, we're, we're in a Christian school. So um, I'm fortunate that I have a book of rules that are true as the day is old, and I can always fall back on that truth and, and use, use the Bible and the gospel to instill to them what truth is and pull out biblical scriptures to really try to plant a seed. And a lot of times it is tiny and sometimes it, it does not take. Um, secondly, a lot of it is uh, authority. So it, it, it's very easy for a class of anywhere from, you know, 17 to 23. I think my biggest class was 23 or 24, not this past year, but in prior years. Um, it can be very easy to uh, lose control and have them gang up on you. Oh, so, I haven't even considered that. Right. So you have to establish right away who, who the boss is. And um, you also have to be, especially at that age, what's great is they're not babies anymore, but they haven't learned yet how to be very mean. You know, how high school is very mean. So that's a really good age to be able to, um, you can kind of be a smart aleck with them or quick witted and shut it down fast. Right. And they don't Um, have a comeback at this age. Right. Right. Um, they don't know how to be mean to authority yet. Right. Um, and you know, some of them may, but they don't have the courage to display that yet. So, so I feel like I still have the upper hand if, I mean, I feel like that's a really bad term as a teacher, but it's it's, that it's a, that classroom management, you have to walk in and that's your space or it's my space as the teacher you know, I am, I am there to serve them, but I'm also guiding them. And so it's very easy. They got used to me, my look and they, you could shut it down or, you know, they're, they're depending on the student and their personality, there are different ways to manage each situation. Um, sometimes, you know, I start, I, it's authoritative and sharp, or sometimes it's, you know, quick-witted and smart okay Sometimes it's, oh, let's think about how a little baby wants to handle this. I said, you know, bring up, well, this is what they do in elementary. Do we need to work on this? You know, and, and try to figure out what works with a specific student or group of students. Right. Well, and the, the problem is these students have 50 parents that are all parenting in different ways. Yep. And so that I think is, and I really can see that with the age difference in my, our oldest daughters mm-hmm. versus our youngest son, who is not yep. the parent groups, parent totally different. Right. And I cannot even, that's a whole nother podcast episode, <laughs> but yeah. just it's so unbelievably different. And I see more and more, I think it, I think it started the the children started running the house to some degree when my oldest was born because that was when we had the VHS tapes. What do you want to watch today, little precious? You know, right. or 
Little Precious's Nickelodeon show is on now, so we need to turn it on her her show or his show or you know whoever. That was kind of that age group. Whereas when when we were young, if it was five o'clock, it didn't matter what Little Precious wanted to watch. The news, the parents controlled the television. There was no oh you know he really loves Barney and we should turn that on while we cook or they just Um, not control the home like I feel like a lot of children do now and Mm -hmm. so when they're sent to school I think that that can become an issue because they expect to be able to have the same behavior Mm -hmm. and the parents sometimes side with the children they want their little precious to run the show at school and at home and you may need to to do an administration (laughs) podcast (laughs) right right um fortunately in uh middle school um there again I'm not I'm not in the administrative office and I and I do have calls with parents but when there is uh, misbehavior we have the system of infractions and um the parents hand it uh, one of two ways, you know, for disobedience or defiance or, you know, uh, just being mean or out of line. Like I always give the students grace, you know, everybody messes up, everybody has a bad day, but if it's something repetitive, if you're disrupting my class and robbing other students of the opportunity to learn and get their, their work done, then uh, you should Uh, receive a consequence for that. And that consequence is a series of infractions. And so um, there have been times where um, students cross that line. Like I I, I set these these boundaries and they can do whatever they want inside the boundaries. You cross it, you're in trouble. You know, I let them have some some autonomy. They deserve that if they've earned it. And once they cross that, they get that infraction. And so anyway, parents handle it one of two ways. I will talk to, you know, Jane Doe tonight. Uh, This won't happen again, or thank you for letting me know. Okay. So they, they understand. And then I've get, I get the other parents who say, my child would never do something like that. Why did you, why did you um, call him out in front of the entire class? And then I have to respond or have a phone call. Well, just so you know, little Johnny also got involved with five other kids and took away 20 minutes of my class time. Oh, that's not the story I heard at home. I'm like, well, you know, it's unfortunate and your child's typically a very good student. Let's just make sure it doesn't happen again. So uh, there are some times that uh, teachers or parents would escalate that and then go straight to administration over it. Uh-huh. You know, where something gets misconstrued and, and that happens. I mean, we're, we're all human. Um, you know, if, if I say something that um, could be misconstrued a certain way or we're reading a, a novel that has content that's more serious in nature, if the parent isn't involved in their, their children's novel, they're not going to know uh, if that child is twisting it or not. So um, as a teacher and as a parent, I think open lines of communication are great. You know, a lot can be misconstrued over just an electronic message that they receive. But um, 
regarding what, what you were talking about earlier, I really do think that, um, I do see a lot of different parenting styles, but I think a responsible teacher sets a standard right away that when that child crosses that doorway, that threshold, these are the rules. The same way when you walk into a practice, these are the rules for practice. And these are your coach's consequences. If you know, you're out of line or, you know, I always talk about decorum and how you act and look in a certain, um, situation. And so that's what I expect of my students and good teachers set those expectations. So it's very clear when someone's out of line. Yes. Well, and that's interesting that, you know, you've embarrassed my child that that's really interesting to me that, that someone would say that, that you, I don't know. I just. Right. And, and, um, I don't think teachers should embarrass children. You know, I think that that's, that's mean and hurtful, but like the child going home and saying, well, I was the only one who got in trouble. Well, no, you don't tell the students who all gets infractions. That's, that's something private. You tell them individually, you're supposed to praise publicly, you know, and, and uh, reprimand quietly and privately so um, unless there's just a big outburst and you send, right. you know, three down to the office, well, everybody knows that those three are in trouble. Right. Right. So what would you, if you could, if, if you could sit with each parent individually and, and tell them how to prepare for the middle school years, how to prepare their students and well, and to prepare the parents on what to expect and what you would like to see happen. What mm-hmm. would you say? What do you what what would you tell them? I'm just curious because you know this is a time when I feel like the transition of take it the student takes responsibility for themselves. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I should have to sit and go through the homework every night. Right. It's great. I feel like that this is a turning point for them when they should learn to be responsible. Do you feel that way? Oh yeah. It's, it's such a huge, huge transition, um, for, for family because they're so used to when the child comes home, um, you know, they, they check the book bag, they check the folders, but what I have started doing in my house, um, with my two, I've started backing away a little bit, not, not as much as intentionally backing away just because we are so busy and it's not turning into one of those, you know, the, the big phrase in the eighties was the latchkey kids where parents were just completely absent, but you know, what's your homework today? You need to tell me, you need to get your papers out. I'm not going to go through this stuff. I expect you to have this done, you know? And so we're starting that with our fourth and fifth grader. And we started it last year just because there was so much to manage. So when, you know, you've got six different teacher websites to look at um, and six different assignments, that can be mind boggling because, you know, a, a set of parents could, we already know how busy parents are. And then on top of that. So um, my advice is to start that, organizational process early. And um, again, that's also something that psychologically 
is developing, you're learning these uh, processes, these, these orders. Um, so setting that practice early and be very uh, intentional about it and, and make sure you're doing it weekly, like have a time where you sit down every Sunday, let's see what the teachers have posted or sit down um, Monday night if you forget about it on Sunday. Said, so what do we have this week? You know, the same way that you would plan your business or anything else, you kind of have to operate it the same way if you're going to hit all these benchmarks throughout the week. Right. Um, another thing is, um, you know, kids are learning how to communicate with authority. And so you can really tell children who come from households that teach their children manners and respect to authority, uh, respect to people who look different than them, uh, who act different, who come from different uh, religious or socioeconomic racial backgrounds, you can see who has that solid parenting and who does not. So um, that's a, that's another thing where I would say if 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 a parent can do that or a caregiver can do that, start teaching kids early on how to respect adults, teachers, people who look different, sound different, you know, kids who have more money, less money, you know start dealing with those differences because it starts, they start noticing it. Mm -hmm. Even with the uniform, they, they notice. Oh yeah. Yes. You know, somebody's got the newest Yeezy. Somebody's got the newest air forces and, you know, she's got the brand new Lululemon, whatever. And, um, fortunately, you know, we don't have to worry about, um, you know, kids and, uh, you know, wearing designer stuff with, without uniforms. I, I, I couldn't imagine having to deal with that as a parent myself, but um, talk about how to be respectful of people who are not like you, you know, right. uh, those, so th those are two right off the bat that if, if you have not started working on start. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned manners because I feel like manners, that's how we show other people respect. Right. Nice manners. That's how we show them respect. And it's bothersome to me to hear on the news how they degrade Southerners who say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, we say this in the military. Yes, sir. No, sir. Right. And I think it's just, I mean, I say that. I say that to the lady at Dairy Queen that says, it's $2.29. You know, you owe me $2.29. Yes, ma'am. I mean, I just think it's a way to show respect. Right. I would, I would venture to say that even, um, you know, I guess I can't, I can't verify this because I didn't go up there, but you know, those very old institutions, private educational institutions up in the Northeast, you know, I would assume that, you know, boarding schools and things like I would assume they would be very similar, very rigorous, um, you know, like old English rigorous in, in, in the way that they communicate, but that's huge in our house. And, um, oh, it just as a teacher, you can really see it right away you know, if some kids aren't taught the, the ma'am and the sir, but the, uh, the what, or no, 
part of me sort of thing. And so that's another thing, especially being an English teacher, I roll in that etiquette and communication with that. Um, I love that you do that. Manners are so huge. And, and I learned uh, early on, you know, my, my parents, um, blue collar, I'm a first generation college graduate. So I understand what it's like to achieve something. Um, but my parents raised me with a lot of uh, respect. So you get to know the gatekeepers and you show your appreciation to gatekeepers, like the custodians, administration, the secretaries, so many doors, literally, like, for example, you forget, you know, uh, your book bag and your locker. If you're, if you're friends with the custodian and you treat this, this man or woman with respect and they're mopping a floor, oh, sure, I'll let you in. They don't have to. You know, you respect those people who clean up after you. Um, and always a please and thank you. And always a, I appreciate you. Yes. You know. Yes, that, that brings up another thing. Excuse me, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't want to forget this. But I feel like when people ask, what is a, a gift to give a teacher at the end of the year or at Christmas? What, you know, people have asked me over the years, what do you give teachers? You have four children. What, you know, what's your normal Christmas gift or whatever? And I always respond by saying that I feel like a handwritten note that just says how much you appreciate that teacher is the most important thing that you could give them. Do you feel that way? Is this, I've never asked a teacher. I've just, oh, yeah. I like to yeah. um, you know, first and foremost, I never expect anything and it is really warming when, um, you know, that, they show me any sorts of appreciation, but um, there's some, uh, golly, there are two students this year. Um, I received a little handmade gift and then I also received, it, you know, the, it was a handwritten letter and then they included this little um, card with a starfish in it. So, you know, the story about this man was throwing starfish back into the ocean and, and, a guy came up and said, well, why, why are you doing this? You're not going to rescue all of them. He's like, well, you know, it's not going to matter in the end. He says, well, it matters to this one. And I keep that in my purse. You know, I keep it in my wallet. Cause I'm like, just, you know, if it's just one and, and that's also what we're supposed to do is as believers is, as Christians, you know, we're supposed to, to, you know, to foster the gospel. And if, and if I can plant a seed in just one, I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part and making this world a better place. Absolutely. So, so, um, as a teacher, I love, you know, the ones who actually listen to me, like, you know, I love Reese's peanut butter cups and, you know, this year we had to do snacks in our room. We didn't have the snack booth. And so, um, they knew that every now and then I would go buy those. And then at the end of the year, they got me this humongous bag or, you know, they, they know that I drink coffee. I have a coffee machine in my, my room. So, so they buy me a Starbucks card or something, you know, just it's personalized. They, they think about me and, um, but the handwritten notes or at the end of COVID two years ago, you know, when we had to go into lockdown, a girl and her mom put cookies in my mailbox. Like oh, she drove to my house and gave me cookies. Yeah. That was I mean, it made me cry. I think about it made me cry. Like, you know, it just, um, 
thank you for allowing me to serve you is, is what, what teachers should say all the time. And it's just great to get, you know, a note saying, thank you for, for doing this for us. Right. Well, and I'll tell you, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I homeschooled the girls. Have I ever shared that with you? So homeschool mom, let's say for, for nine years. I think that's right. So, um, yes, the, well, I, I have to think back because the oldest went to kindergarten. She was a kindergarten dropout because it was, it was, a, <laughs> it was, she was very artsy and musical and involved in the theater. And so we joke and say that she was a kindergarten dropout, but that was just, it ended up being a very busy year for her. And then she, I said, oh, well, we're going to go, we're going to go back for first grade. Well, we went back for first grade. We spent the whole year in first grade and realized that there were other opportunities that we were missing out on. So she graduated homeschool, but she went to a classical program starting in the ninth grade, three days a week. And then she went to the local community college in the 11th grade. So she got ahead on her. Oh, yeah. So she was always very involved in lots of activities, plays. But the second child, she homeschooled. She went to a classical school starting in maybe the third grade and then full-time school in the eighth grade. Because that seventh grade, you'll love this. I was calling out vocabulary words to her one day and she said, Mama, nobody cares about these words but you. You're the only person in the whole world and homeschool moms that hear this will be able to relate. You're the only person in the whole world that cares about these words. They were wordly wise words. And I said, you know who cares about these words? I said, the teacher. And then I listed the private school in that town at the time. I said, she cares about these words and that's where you're going to be next year. You're going to be with her. For the eighth grade. So she did have a year of middle school where I got to enjoy the, the, all that went along with it. But anyway, that being said, being a homeschool mom makes you appreciate teachers more than you can ever imagine because it is such a hard job I think it is such a difficult job and I know there are people that are called to do it that love it but regardless I think it's a tough job well I think the world got to see what teaching was like being home at least for us we just had that short lockdown of the fourth quarter of last or the year before last um but the uh you know, some of the schools, parents who were not fortunate enough to be able to send their, their kids back. Um, I think they got to see firsthand what uh, all, all the responsibilities that their students needed to keep track of, you know, and they, they were then set in charge of that. Um, gosh, when we were in lockdown, I would do my teaching throughout the day to my students. And then get to my kids and they would not listen to me. I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, I I just taught 120 kids. What do you mean? I don't know what I'm talking about. Funny. I can say, I can see that with any child. I mean, they, uh, I said, they're like, well, what do I call you? (laughs) Tell me Mrs. Mommy. I just listen to me. (laughs) So we can move on. 
like, oh, we got to get dinner started. Finish this math page. I cannot take this. We cried so much. I mean, there's so many tears. You got to homeschool for a short time. And, and it really was not, when people asked me, it was not a true indicator of what homeschooling really is because in a normal homeschool situation, you would get your classwork done in the morning and then you would go to all these activities, horse riding lessons, tennis lessons. There was tutoring, outside tutoring. I mean, there, you know, if you get your homework, your schoolwork done by 11, then you can meet this friend to play or, you know, it just was not a true indicator of homeschooling. But anyway, I digress. That's just, <laughs> that's where we were. So, okay, I cannot end this with you without, um, a brief discussion about middle school girls because I get phone calls all the time from friends who say, help, you've had two girls this age. How did you get through it? This is what I have going on right now. And I have listened to multiple stories and it is, I just, I'm so thankful I'm not a middle school girl right now because I think it's even more difficult now than it was when my girls were in middle school because they didn't have all the social media that we have now. They, I'm trying to think back, one did have a cell phone around middle school age, but it just, it's totally, now these kids, they know if they're being left out of a function or activity, which breaks my heart. Right. They know. Right. Yeah. Back in our day, we didn't know till we got back to school. Right. And then, okay. even then sometimes we didn't know. Right. Um, that's tough because I, I just, you know, as an outsider looking in, as somebody who's lived through that, I don't understand how they have to share everything. But then I also see adults sharing absolutely everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It gets me the most are the pictures of their kids when they're in the hospital. We're at the hospital. The kid is hooked up to an IV and they're taking pictures. That is what gets me the most. But anyway, that's <laughs> getting off subject. No, I always, um, I used to be on, on social media. I'm not on anything but LinkedIn anymore. Um, and, and I feel so much better for it. Yeah. I, I kind of miss what some people I I'm friends with are doing, but I can just pick up and call the ones that I care about, you know? Um, so golly, I mean, it, because they are connected with each other 24 seven, it's a distraction first and foremost, because they can be up talking to each other or sending pictures or watching something on the myriad of you know, what is it? House party, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram. They don't do Facebook because that involves words and they don't use words. Um, but you know, who knows what else is, has come out since then. I just, they, they're, they're always keeping tabs on everybody else and always displaying what they want everybody else to see, you know, instead of keeping things private. And so for example, with girls, uh, at, at Briarcrest, we have, uh, you know, we have chapel every Wednesday, but we also break out and do these things called huddle groups where the girls and boys split up and, and it's kind of like a Bible study or, or small group meeting. And, um, 
I try to, when the lesson leads that way, I try to impress upon them how important it is to keep your yourself, you know, to do what's ever holy and pleasing, to do, to, to not show off too much, um, to, you know, as in not show off too much skin, not act older than you are, not, not be somebody that you're not. Keep private things private and uh, focus on the here and now, you know. So I try to give them this, this advice and, you know, I, I challenge them to, to get off of social media more often and to be more present, um, you know, and one day they, they will realize that, that they don't need to be using that all the time. But, but I do see, um, in regards to relationships, that's one form of communication, one way that they can gain a relationship, but so much can be misconstrued through an image or through something that's typewritten instead of a, a face-to-face in-person conversation. So, um, you know, I've, I've also seen some things where students share things that are inappropriate and then that uh, a parent finds out and that gets called to attention to administration. And then, you know, the, the, the dominoes start to fall and there are consequences for that. And so, um, you know, I always teach a, a, a netiquette class. First thing, right out of the gates, how to speak on email, um, how to be appropriate with professors or employers. Um, and this rule of thumb, if you wouldn't want your grandmother to see it, see you doing it or to read it or hear you say it, you should not put it online because it's always captured you know, it can always be used against you. And nowadays, I even tell them because uh, so many colleges and universities are retracting their offers of scholarships or admissions. Um, employers are retracting, you know, offers of employment because they've dug something up five, 10 years ago. Yes. Everything that's put online, consider it, it that it lasts forever, no matter what. Oh, it disappears with Snapchat. But it really doesn't. Just because you can't find it doesn't mean somebody else can't, you know? Right. The skimpy bikinis and then the high schoolers holding the alcohol. I, I really, I wish that they would not do that because you're so right that employers will look at that. Colleges will see this, right. employers, and that that's a risk for them. That's a big red flag. And that that was always my rule. No, we're not going to have any skimpy bikinis (laughs) on social media it just it sends a huge red flag right yeah that is one thing that's disheartening as as an adult as a woman as a mother um you know kids have been kids since the beginning of time they do things they're not supposed to do they experiment with their sexuality and alcohol and all of that stuff all that stuff that's been going on forever but what's so different now is that they capture it. Yes. It's public. It's It's, all public. It's all public. Um, I, I story after story about people who deal with adolescents, either middle school, high school or college, you know, first of all, they're doing something they shouldn't do anyway, but then they, then they keep a record a document of it. You know, um, it breaks my heart as, as a woman, as a mother, that these girls are sexualizing themselves a lot more than they need to. 
they're not focused on this. I know middle school age, that pre-adolescent, adolescence age is so hard, but they don't get to just be in a, in a moment. Everything is so much more mature than they are, you know? And I just look back it, you know, I had some innocence in middle school and then high school, like yeah. I got to be stupid yes. and it's not going to follow me around except for the people who are involved in my stupidity with me, you know, being right. silly teenagers. And, and I can look back on that and just, you know, know that, um, that's not going to come up to haunt me, you know? Right. I mean, we have all done some really dumb things and thank goodness nobody was following us around with a camera, snapping pictures. I mean, I can't even imagine. Can you? I, I, I can't. And, you know, I don't believe there was a, an adult alive that, that thinks differently. Um, I wrote down this quote and I want to share this with you. That's what I was flipping through my notebook. Lisa Bevere she said, when people make mistakes, they begin to think they are a mistake. But just because you made a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. And if you think you're a mistake, then you are mistaken. And I just love that. And I, I wish every middle schooler and high schooler and college age could hear that because it's so, so true. I think that's how we learn. We make mistakes. We learn. But like you said, now they're public. So yeah. It's, it's all public, I think, because we've got this culture of celebrities or pseudo celebrities or the, you know, the influencers flashing these filtered, you know, edited pictures and these poor girls. So think, think about back when we were young. OK, so like trying to think. So I came of age in the 90s. So like Kate Moss, you know, was being really skinny and. All, all I had to look at was a TV or a magazine. Yes. I didn't have this 24 seven tool in my hand to look at whatever and try to emulate these people. So, so when I see, you know, when I go with my family to the beach and I see these young girls who are not much older than my daughter with these thong bikinis, taking pictures of their bottoms and trying to be a Victoria's Secret model, I'm just like, whoa 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 you yeah. know why? where did the thongs come from Rachel why why a thong do we need to see everything like when, when did this happen and why well you know I think like Brazilians and Colombians always do that but you know there's there's one thing when you're on a honeymoon or a vacation with your husband um, and there's another when you've got impressionable people. And that's where I go back to this decorum thing. There's a right time and a right place for everything, you know, and, and, and you can always go back to a purpose or a biblical truth. Like there is, there is a purpose for everything. And, and if you want to be showy and romantic, you need to be in a right location with the right people for that, right. you know? Right. And hopefully we don't have to be middle schoolers that'll <laughs> exactly. So, so that means it's not intended for them, right? Or high schoolers, it's not intended for them. Right. And they're trying to, uh, they're just why dive into it early? You know? Know. Let our babies be, be babies. Let yes, our tweens be tweens. Yes. That's what stop influencing our children. That's what I want to say. Stop. Right. Yes. 
That's what I want to say. Well, in closing, is there anything else that you would like to say to middle schoolers who are about to begin this sixth grade or some people are some kids are seventh grade when they start? What what would you say to to any middle schooler who is about to begin? Well, just to, to make lives easier on everyone, do your very best to stay organized, be respectful of yourself first, your family, your friends, your, you know, your peers in your classroom, that respect goes so far. And you know what? The whole world could use a little bit of a lesson of respect. They need like a big spoonful of respect. We don't have that anymore. It's gone. Um, but, but hopefully, you know, if we raise our babies, right, they'll, we'll start seeing it again. Yes. Let's be like Justin Bieber. No, it's not Justin Bieber. It's um, Justin Timberlake. Bring sexy back. Let's bring respect back. Maybe yeah. <laughs> a song about that. I don't know if I can be as cute as he can and dance around like that. But yeah, let's bring respect back. Right, right. So I mean, those those are two. Just if you take care of your job, the rest falls into place because then everybody else is taking care of their own jobs, and then we we can help each other. You know. Yeah. So I guess and the, mind the, your own business. How about that? Mind your own business. Oh yes. Goodness. Goodness. And you know, I have to say that in my class all the time, somebody pipes in when another student's asking a question. I said, this is an A and B conversation. See your way out. And they're like, Oh, that's an old one. And I'm like, yeah, well get to work, you know, just mind your own business. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. This has been great. I've enjoyed this. And I think a lot of people, I've benefited today, I know. And there have been some great reminders for me. So I know a lot of people will benefit. Well, we're, we're always learning. I mean, goodness gracious. Every day is an adventure being yes. a parent and, and being a teacher. Every day looks different. There's nothing the same. Well, thank you for being a fabulous teacher and sharing some wisdom with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I recently had the opportunity to visit with Gabrielle Palmer on Instagram Live about her upcoming Rama Drama event in Nashville. Gabrielle was also featured in Forbes magazine this month along with her business partner and best friend. And you can read more about that if you would like to hear her story. You can get your tickets for the Rama Drama events on their website, ramadrama.com. They will be hosting in other locations in the future. Here is a clip from our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Actors, screenwriters, authors, musicians, you get sort of a 360 picture of the romantic dramas from really every aspect. So we're bringing your favorite Hallmark, Lifetime, Netflix, celebrities, we have Trevor Donovan, Ryan Pavey, Tyler Hines, Paul Green, Gregory Harrison, Brittany Bristow. We have, I think, 13 celebrities. We have um, six screenwriters and writers, and about 20 country music artists or artists coming to play throughout the day. So it is going to be an incredible fan experience. And as I mentioned before, um, this is a more intimate event. This is not a huge convention. This is not in a convention center. There won't be, you know, 15,000 or 12,000 other people there. We're limiting our tickets on purpose 
and irrespective of COVID, we are lifting our tickets so that fans have the opportunity to really feel as though they have had quality face-to-face experience with their favorite celebrities and authors and screenwriters and musicians. So this is, this is, this is a very uniquely designed event. Well, I'm so excited about it. As I was saying earlier, if you're just now joining, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get together with your girlfriends. I hope you enjoyed episode 34 of the Life Coach BFF show. And I just want to thank you for joining me today and also ask if you would pretty please with sugar on top leave a review. This helps everyone find our podcast easier. And I just appreciate you. Have a great day. See you next time.